Hello and welcome to episode two of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Our topic today is who is Jesus? Now, once again, similar to last week, this is such a complex topic and it is one that we will be thinking about and discovering for the rest of our lives. So Jesus is someone that we will continue to get to know forever And I love that about him. He has so many different parts to his personality and his identity, and he is God. And so just like with last last episode when we were talking about God the Father, we can't fully know God and we can't fully know Jesus, but that doesn't mean we can't know him at all. So today we're going to dig into a few aspects of who he is. We're not really going to talk about his personality, which you can definitely understand a lot better if you read the Gospels. So the Gospels are the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the first four books of the New Testament. If you're interested in seeing Jesus's personality, I would highly recommend that you read those books, especially the parts where Jesus is talking or interacting with people. Instead of focusing on his personality, we're really going to dig deep on his characteristics and really look at his identity. Who is Jesus in the sense of what implications does his identity have for us and for the whole world and all of creation, (laughs) because again, he is God and he is also man. So let's go ahead and get started and we'll dig into today's topic. Hey millennial, welcome to the revival podcast for millennial women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what he has to say through studying his words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. As usual, I would love to start with a word of prayer. Make sure that it is the Holy Spirit speaking through me and not myself. So here we go. Lord, Heavenly Father... God, thank you so much for the opportunity to discuss Jesus and talk about him. What an incredible topic, what an incredible person, what an incredible gift it is that you have given us so much information to go off of. I pray that you would speak through me today and that we would really take everything we know from your word, from the scripture, from the Bible, and that the Holy Spirit would speak through me and that would the Holy Spirit would also open up the ears of every single person listening to this podcast that they would really hear from you and be blessed by knowing just a little bit more or digging a little deeper into who Jesus is or maybe just being reminded of things that they already know. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to to think about you and to always be exploring more of who you are and who Jesus is. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take everything from God's word. And so it's going to be a lot of scripture, which is good because the Bible is our primary source. It is God's word. It tells us what we need to know about who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. 
And we're going to continue to dig deeper on that as we go through this podcast. But we're going to, because we're going to be looking at different aspects of Jesus, we're not just going to take one passage. We're going to do like a survey of different passages that talk about Jesus or where Jesus is directly talking, which is great as well. So let's talk about the first characteristic that we're going to do for today. And again, we're not going to get to every single part of Jesus's personality and in all of his characteristics. We're just going to do an overview of really important ones. So the first one, Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is God and he is the light. (laughs) I know that was a lot. So let's just start with Jesus is the word of God. So this comes from John 1 and this is the New Living Translation. And it talks about how creation was actually made through Jesus, which is pretty mind boggling. So first John one, not first John, John one, one through five says this in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. This passage is talking about Jesus. It is how John begins his, the gospel, um, his version of the good news of Jesus Christ, talking about Jesus's life, why he was here, his death and resurrection. And it's talking about how Jesus is the word of God. So literally everything, all of creation was made through Jesus. Jesus has existed for all time. So it's not like he just showed up one day (laughs) and uh, was created. Um, No, he was actually there. So in Genesis 1, when it's talking about, okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all these different things. Well, the word was Jesus and Jesus was there creating these things. So that's insane. That is one of those things where I just can't fully wrap my, my mind around that. But it says right here, he existed in the beginning and God created everything through him, through Jesus. Jesus and God co-created the entire world, the universe, every single thing. Jesus is the actual word of God. And when he was speaking on earth as a person in a human body, he was also telling us God's message and he was being obedient to God. That's huge. So secondly, Jesus is also the light. So it says here in John 1 verse 4, the word gave life to everything that was created. Remember the word is Jesus and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So Jesus is the light. He's the light. (laughs) He shines in the darkness. So he has brought light to our world. He has brought understanding. He has brought salvation. He has brought everything that we need in order to be fully connected to God, in order to be brought out of the darkness in which we've been living and to be in God's light. And that's a beautiful thing. So I also wanted to add to that John 8 verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You know, if we think of Jesus as literally being the light of the world, 
And if we see that light and we walk towards it and we walk with the light and we turn away from the darkness of the world and from the enemy, meaning the devil, and from sin and death, and we walk towards the light, that is what gives us life, real life, (laughs) not just um, feeling like the comforts of this world, but true existence and living in the purpose and the will of God and feeling connected to him and in relationship with him is so much better than anything, any other way that we could possibly live. Okay, next up, Jesus is God. Literally, Jesus is God. It's hard to grasp, but let's make sure that we understand this one. The Trinity is God in three parts. So God is God the Father, which we talked about last week, where he's literally our dad. He created us. He loves us. He molds us. um, He takes care of us. We are his people. He interacts with us. The second part of the Trinity is Jesus, God the Son. Jesus is just as much God as God the Father is. And he had a different role in that he came to earth and he was obedient to God the Father and submitted to God the Father's will that Jesus come to earth and save us, which we'll go more into the gospel next episode. So hold on for that. But Jesus is God as well. And sometimes people think that Jesus is not God, that he was just a good teacher or a prophet or you know, something else besides actually being God. And, you know, he was a good teacher. He was a prophet. He predicted all kinds of different things that came to pass and will come to pass. But that's not all he is. He is also God. (laughs) And that's pretty inescapable because he claimed directly in scripture to be God. And his disciples were pretty clear on him being God. So, you know, it took him a little while to understand that. But regardless, If you're going to take the rest of the words of Jesus and you're going to say, hey, he had some good things to say, but, you know, he wasn't actually God. Well, he he claimed to be God. So I'll, I'll give you a verse on that in just a second. To finish up, the second or the third part of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And so we'll get into the Holy Spirit and who he is in a future episode as well. So look out for that. John 8, 58. So Jesus is talking to a large group of people and he says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they, meaning the Pharisees and the people there that thought that this was a cl- him claiming to be God, which it was, at that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. So you might be wondering, okay, all he said was I am. What's the big deal here? Well, I am is actually a reference to Exodus. And before Moses went to Egypt and there was the plagues and everything, and Moses met God through the burning bush. And it's a very famous scene. You know, he had to take off his sandals because it was holy ground and he was speaking directly to God and the, and the burning bush was there. And he asked God, okay, who do I say sent me? Like, (laughs) they're going to ask, like, who is this God? Right. And they, in this Context is referring to the Israelites who were under slavery in Egypt. And so Moses is going to go save them and they're going to do all the different signs and the different plagues until Pharaoh releases the people from slavery and then they can leave and they can go into the promised land or because they disobeyed, they'll wander through the wilderness for a while first and then go to the promised land. But I digress. What's important to know is that Moses asks God, Hey, who do I say you are? And God says, 
I am. Tell them I am sent you. That was the name that God gave himself for Moses to communicate to the Israelites so that they knew who had sent Moses to them for their salvation from Egypt. This is a big deal. (laughs) Like saying I am is claiming to be God. And so Jesus directly right here claims to be God. And he says before Abraham was even born, I am claiming also that he has existed all this time, which is him claiming divinity, that he is divine, that he is God. This is just one example. There's other examples as well. This was the one that I wanted to bring up. But there's a few other times when they wanted to, the people wanted to attack him because he was claiming to be God. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's blasphemy. You can't just say that. But Jesus was like, no, I actually really am God. Also, Jesus is the son of God and he is the way, the only way. So if we are to believe the words of Jesus, there is no other way to be saved. There is no other way to fully connect with God the Father except through the Son. And he said that. So we've got to take the words of Jesus directly from the Bible, right? This one I have Matthew 3, 16 through 17. This is right after John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And so it says, verse 16, after his, Jesus's baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. That's the New Living Translation version. Some versions say, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, which is also lovely. But that's God coming out of the sky and literally saying audibly, This is my dearly loved Son. He's claiming God. God is claiming Jesus as his son directly. So when God sent Jesus to be sacrificed for us, he was sending his own son. We also have, for talking about Jesus being the only way to God, we have John 14, 6 through 7. He was talking to Thomas, responding to a a question Thomas had asked him, and Thomas is one of the 12 disciples. Verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. This is God, This is Jesus clearly saying that there is no other way to God the Father except through him. And I think it can be popular in our culture to say, oh, there's multiple paths to God, or you don't have to have a relationship with Jesus in order to know God, you can kind of go about it in your own individual way. The answer to that, that Jesus has is no, he, he is the way he is the truth and he is the life. There is no other way. And so if we are to access God, if we are to believe and follow him, it is through Jesus. All right. We have a characteristic now, and I love this characteristic because God throughout the Bible asks his people over and over to obey him. And I want to point out here that Jesus is actually obedient to God. He is obedient to God the Father. And I know it's crazy. It's like, okay, Jesus is God and is is also obedient to God. So remember, Jesus has been in relationship with God the Father for all of eternity. And he chooses to obey God. That's their relationship. He submits to him. And that's a mystery and one that I'm sure will be solved for us someday when we are face to face with him. The verse I have for this is John 14, 8 through 11. So Jesus is with his disciples 
and Philip is one of his disciples, and he's going to start speaking. So verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has sent me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just be, just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. So I like this because it shows the intimacy of the relationship between Jesus and God the Father. It shows that they abide in each other, they rest in each other, they are in deep relationship with each other beyond our comprehension to understand. And in verse 10, when it says, the words I speak are not my own, but my father who lives in me does his work through me. Jesus speaks for God and he allows God's word to God's words to flow through him. He is obedient to doing and saying what the father has tasked him to do and say. Another verse to support this is John 17, one through five. Again, he's speaking to a group of people and he says in verse 17, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So again, they have been in relationship since before our world even began for all of eternity in both directions. And I love in verse four when it says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. God gave Jesus tasks and Jesus came to earth. He was obedient to be born on this earth as a human being and to also be confined by the body of a human being. You know, Jesus had to eat, he had to sleep, he had to drink water, he had like human needs and human wants. And he submitted to God by coming to earth that way and also to living the life God had him live and also to dying on the cross for us, which again, we'll go into the details of next week. One more verse I wanted to share on this point of Jesus being obedient to God is the night before Jesus died on the cross, the night before the crucifixion, there's this very famous scene where they're in the garden and Jesus is praying and his disciples are there and they keep falling asleep. Anyways, in Matthew 26, 39, this is Jesus. He is the subject of the statement. Verse 39, he went on a little farther and bowed his head to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So here Jesus is the night before the incredible suffering he was about to go through. And he is asking God to take away this cup of suffering, all the things he knew was was to come, his death on the cross, his separation from God, all these different things. And yet he submits, even though this is terrifying and horrible and something he would never you know, want to have to do. He is submitting to the will of God. He is, he knows and trusts that God has a plan and that God is using this for the good of the people that he has created. So Jesus was obedient to God and so must we be as well. Next up, 
Jesus is the son of man. So this has a literal meaning, meaning Jesus was human. He was the son of man. But also this has a very big reference to a prophecy from Daniel. So we'll cover both bits here. First, Jesus was the son of man. Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary. So she was a virgin and the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus in her womb. And then she gave birth to Jesus having never had sex. So to take this story, we have Luke 1, 26 to 38. And this is also going to reference Elizabeth, who is the mother of John the Baptist. So just know that that's the case. So verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel, angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow, overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth will be, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. First of all, wow. If an angel of God came to me and said, hey, I mean, before I was married, <laughs> it said, hey, you're going to have a son and you're a virgin and he's going to be the savior of the world. I would just be like, um, no, thanks. <laughs> like I'm good <laughs> but that's why God picked Mary and not me so Mary is super awesome and super obedient to God as well but this tells you the story of how Mary came to be pregnant and gave birth to a son and so Jesus was fully human and I know that 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 truth that Jesus is both human and God is incredible and mind-blowing and something that you have to just wrestle with in your mind because it is very, very hard to grasp. As for the prophecy reference in Daniel 7, we're going to get to that in just a second. We're going to cover that at the same time that we talk about Jesus being our king. And this reference right here, where the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary and he's saying like, Jesus will be the king of Israel forever. That is talking about in the future when Jesus comes back again he is going to be our king forever. And so we'll come back to this point. Just hit pause in your brain on that point for a second. First, I want to cover Jesus is the Messiah. And the term Messiah, I remember when I first heard it, I was really confused. I was in seventh grade and I knew nothing about the Bible or Jesus or God or anything. And I was in an intro to Bible class and they kept saying Messiah and they kept saying Christ. And I, I just thought Christ was Jesus's last name. So I was really confused on 
how Messiah and Christ were being used interchangeably because I was like, is Messiah like his secondary last name? I was just very confused. So let's clarify this for a second. Messiah is the Hebrew word and it means the same thing as the Greek version, which is Christ. So those two words are used interchangeably because they're just Greek versus Hebrew version. And it means anointed or chosen one. So all throughout the Old Testament, God kept talking about a coming Messiah, a coming Christ who's going to come to save the people and also to rule Israel forever, a future king. And it's talked about constantly, like Jesus is pointed to all the time in the Old Testament. Well, Jesus comes and he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. So when we say Jesus Christ, it's not his last name was Christ. It's referring to his title as the chosen one who was going to come and save the people and has already done so. And in Jesus's first coming, he was born of a virgin Mary and he came on earth and he lived a perfect life. And then he died and was resurrected. Now he is seated at the right hand of God and Jesus will come back to earth for the second coming. And that is foretold also in scripture and all kinds of different places, including revelation. At that point, he's coming to rule. And there's all these different theories about, you know, how long things will last and exactly what that will look like. I don't want to go into those things. I just want to mention that that's coming. My verse for this is Matthew 26, starting in verse 57. Then the people who had arrested Jesus, this is after he had done his ministry and been arrested and he's about to go to the cross. The people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of religious law and the elders had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter, one of his disciples, followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. So you can see that motivation there. Verse 60, but even though they found many who agreed to give false witness, they could not use anyone's testimony. Finally, two men came forward who declared, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the priest stood up and said to Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Verse 64, Jesus replied, you have said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, blasphemy, why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they shouted. He deserves to die. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And someone slapped him, jeering, prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who hit you that time? That treatment of Jesus at the end is just heart-wrenching. It's crazy that Jesus is so humble that he was able to, being God and being man, just sit there and take that kind of treatment, that disrespect and lack of love and lack of understanding of these people didn't even really get who he was. But this is him claiming to be the Messiah, the Christ. The guy says, the guy, the high priest says, tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. 
Jesus replied, you have said it, meaning he's claiming to be the Messiah. So some people, again, believe that Jesus never claimed to be God, never claimed to be the Messiah, but he claims it very clearly right here. He claims that he is the chosen one, the one who's come to save the people. So we can't just write him off as a prophet or a teacher, even though he was those things. He's more than those things. He is the savior of the people and he delivered us from sin and death. And we'll get into that more in a future episode. So verse 64 that we just read, Jesus replied, you have said it. And in the future, you will see the son of man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. So that verse 64 is actually, again, a reference to Daniel 7 where it talks about the son of man. So we're going to come back to that. So again, hit pause on that in your brain. We are going to come back to that point. First though, I want to cover one more supporting verse for Jesus being the Messiah. This is from John 4 and Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. So she was the one who had um, several husbands in the past and was currently living with someone who was not her husband and Jesus was able to tell her these different things about herself and then she realizes that he is the Messiah and goes back and tells a bunch of people about him so this is her and Jesus talking to each other John chapter 4 verse 25 the woman said I know the Messiah is coming the one who is called Christ when he comes he will explain everything to us then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. There it is. He directly claims to be the Messiah, the savior of the people. There's really no getting around that. Jesus is also our advocate. He advocates for us with God the Father. We will get into that in a future episode. So hang on to that point as well. Now the long awaited Daniel 7. <laughs> this is the point of Jesus is our king. So when Gabriel was talking to Mary, he said, a future king that will rule forever is going to be born to you. And again, Jesus talks about being the son of man when talking to the high priest. Both of those are a reference to Daniel 7. So a lot of us know the story of Daniel about how he survived the lion's den. So that is in the first couple chapters of Daniel. And then a lot of the rest of Daniel is actually prophesying about the future. And there's some really interesting prophecies in there. And going on that point in Daniel 7, Daniel is having a bunch of visions about the future. So in verse 13, it says, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Wow. That is Jesus coming back, the second coming. He will rule as our literal king. And when he came the first time on earth, he taught us many things, one of which is that he would come again. And he's been the savior of his people. He is our salvation. He did die for us. And he was separated from God in order to atone for our sins. And now he's with God and he will come back again. And he will actually be given all the authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. So that's what that's what we have to look forward to. Jesus is going to come back and rule. This was actually really interesting because a lot of his disciples, when they realized that he was the Messiah, this is what they thought he was going to do. They thought in his first 
coming. They didn't know it was the first coming. They thought it was just the only coming. And they thought he was going to establish a literal kingdom. That's to come. That hasn't happened yet. But he has come the first time and he has come to save his people. So Jesus is our king and we can treat him as such now, even though he's not literally ruling the earth right now. He will. So that was quite a bit. (laughs) We covered a lot and still not nearly everything. But just to review, Jesus is the word of God. He is God. He is the light. Jesus is the son of God and he is the only way. There is no other way to God except through Jesus. Jesus is obedient to God, just like God calls us to be. Jesus is the son of man. He was fully human. Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus is our king now and forever. All right, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to study more and learn more about who Jesus is and why he came to earth. Thank you that you leave us so much information about Jesus in the Bible that we can learn and grow and connect with you and grow into a deeper relationship. And thank you that Jesus is seated at your right hand, that he is our advocate, that he loves us, that he is our true king. And I pray that we would look forward to his future coming with anticipation and with joy. I pray that you would speak to the hearts of anyone who is listening, that they would be able to learn more and that their hearts would move towards wanting to know more about Jesus and wanting to grow in relationship with you. Thank you, God, for this time. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show, and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast, and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.